All right, so we are uh, still in a series called Learning to Live in Christ. So you've been getting an education about how Jesus said that as he was in this earth, so are we. But we need knowledge because the word of God says that without knowledge that his people are destroyed. And we have an enemy in this earth called Satan who desires to steal, to kill, and to destroy us. And he can do those things if we do not have the wisdom and knowledge that we need through Jesus Christ as power by the Holy Spirit. When you know what the devil cannot do, then you will not allow him to trespass into your life, to steal, to kill, and destroy you, your family, or those things around you. We are learning how to live just as Christ did when he was on this earth. So as you read your Bible and read about Jesus, you're reading exactly what you are capable of as well, and not only are you capable of the things that Jesus did while he was here, your Bible says that Jesus said even greater works than these we would do than the ones that he did. So when you get bored in life and when you are complacent or anxious, just realize and you need to shake yourself and say, you know what? I'm not living or behaving like Jesus right now. I'm not believing like Jesus right now. I need to come up to that standard of Jesus. And that's a exactly what we have to do as believers in Jesus Christ. Remember that we have died to our old selves. We have picked up our cross, denied ourselves, and said, you know what? I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm not going to follow this governor, this president, this economy, this, this, that, that. I am going to follow Jesus, and he will supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. He is my stimulus provider. He is my health care plan. He is everything that I need at all times. He is my Lord and he is my Savior. I guess I'm pumping myself up to talk about Jesus. I really love this Jesus that I talk to you guys about every week. He's done so much for me. Has he done anything for anybody in this room or online? Can you give glory and honor and credit to Jesus Christ? What has he done for you? you? Is he the greatest thing that has ever happened to you? And if that was true, I heard Pastor Jim saying that we're all ministers. If Jesus Christ was truly the greatest thing that ever happened to us, then we should be more vocal about him, especially to those that don't know him yet. Amen? Amen. I will be your caffeine this morning for those of you who are lacking caffeine in your bloodstream. All right, we are preaching this morning and learning this morning about learning to live in Christ. We have went through Jesus Christ and his faith. We learned about what his faith was as we studied the revelation of it. We learned about why his faith was so powerful because we studied the empowerment of his faith, which was the word of God. He was the living, breathing, walking, talking word of God. And if the word of God could not fail, that meant that Jesus could not fail. 
hell. And if Jesus lives on the inside of you and you believe his word, that means that you cannot fail. You are powered by his word. You are powered by Jesus. It's in him we live, we move, and we have our being. That Bible is not just a book. That Bible is life. That Bible is power. It's where all of our help comes from. Our help is not of this world, but I praise God that he inspired men and women to, uh, to write and share their testimony so they could be forever recorded for those that would come behind them. Last week, we learned about the strategy of Jesus's faith, and the strategy of his faith was love and compassion. That is why, that, that is why, what moved his faith, what moved him to miracles, what moved him to raising the dead, what moved him to helping people was his compassion for them. So our strategy as it relates to living our life in Christ in faith is love and compassion. Today we finish out faith uh, with the triumph of the Lord's faith. And the triumph of the Lord's faith, faith is so that we could obtain something very precious. That's what I really want to drive home today is that your faith is not just for stuff. Your faith was something for something very primary, and it's our greatest need. It's for the kingdom of God. So today's sermon is entitled, Obtaining Righteousness, Peace, and Joy. Church, can you say this with me? I desire righteousness, peace, and joy above all things. So listen, through Christ... The love of God has obtained righteousness, peace, and joy for all who will believe. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I thank you for an anointing being upon your servant to feed your sheep. And I thank you for an anointing being upon your sheep to believe your word. It's time to eat. Your word says that we should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And Father, I thank you that you're going to use my mouth this morning to feed the people that you love so much so that they might be empowered to become disciples and disciple makers. That is followers of Christ and leading others out of darkness to follow you. Father, we thank you that the kingdom of God has come through your son, Jesus Christ, and we, by believing, have obtained righteousness, peace, and joy through your Holy Spirit. May we understand that that is the primary reason that we have been given faith. Life is short, but eternity is longer. So our faith was not just to obtain the things that would be temporary. Our faith was given to us so that we could obtain the precious promises of God that last for all of eternity. That's what faith is for. So God, I thank you that you will help me to relay this message in a way so simple that a child could understand it, but God, may the revelations be deep as well for those who hunger greatly for your word, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so when Jesus came to this earth, he came preaching the kingdom of God, which was to be obtained by faith. So more than the fish and the loaves, more than sinking boats, more than food and clothes, 
Faith is for the acceptance and entrance into God's kingdom. Say this with me, church. It's all about God's kingdom. See, some of you have believed for a better job and got it. You believe for children, you got them. You believe for spouses, you got them or they're coming. You believe for many things on this earth, but that's not the main thing that faith was for. Faith is so that you could have entrance and acceptance into the kingdom of God that when you die, you will live for all of eternity with God. That's what faith is for. That's the main reason you've been given faith. But while we are alive, we live by faith. But when we die, we obtained what our faith was truly for, and it was for life everlasting with Jesus Christ. Now, I believe one of the reasons Jesus became so frustrated with people who did not believe is because he's thinking this, if you can't believe for the small things here when I am with you, if you can't believe that I can feed these 5,000 people, if you can't believe that, you can't stand to the at the front of the boat and speak to the storm in your life and the storm stop if you can't believe that I can raise the dead if you can't believe those simple things while I am with you how will you ever believe for the eternal things when I leave that's what frustrated Jesus I believe about the unbelief of those who were around them unbelief is a dreadful disease we must we must fight against unbelief in our lives more than anything else because if we have unbelief living in us the Bible says that we are double minded and the Bible says that if we are double minded we can't think to obtain anything from God so we have to be transparent in our prayers because God already knows church can you say this with me Lord I believe but help my unbelief. That's a prayer you should pray all the time, especially when you feel anxiety rise up on the inside of you. You need to say, Lord, I believe your word. Lord, I believe you can heal my body. Lord, I believe you can do these great things in my life. But would you please help my unbelief? Unbelief is the block. Unbelief stops the, the flow of what God wants to bring into our lives for his glory. So we must allow faith to reign in our lives so that we can receive all the things that God has for us, but especially the main thing. So church, what is the main thing you're using your faith for? The main thing, the primary thing, nothing should be first except this main thing we should be seeking for. And what is your greatest pursuit for you and desire for those around you? We must keep our faith spiritual first. I'm going to say it again. Your faith needs to be spiritual first. And if you make faith spiritual first, God will provide all those natural things. Let me tell you how good God is. When you put God first, when you use faith for the spiritual things first, he will bless you with stuff you didn't even ask for because he knows your needs. And when you pursue him above the things in this world that are just temporary, 
3, he will bless you with the desires of your heart. Never use your faith to seek the desires of your heart first because Jesus Christ should always be the primary desire of your passion. Spiritual first. My faith is for spiritual pursuits first. My faith is for God first. Let's listen to David and the goal of his faith found in Psalm chapter 27, verse 4. And this is the passion translation. Listen to what David said. Here's the one thing I crave from God. It's what I must have. And church, it's time to start reevaluating your faith. Are you craving a husband more than God? Are you craving a house and a better job or a car more than God? What's your primary pursuit of your faith? David said, here's the one thing I crave from God. The one thing I seek above all else. Church say above all else. I want the privilege of living with him every moment in his house, finding the sweet loveliness of his face, filled with awe, delighting in his glory and grace. I want to live my life so close to him that he takes pleasure in my every prayer. Church, your faith is for Jesus first. Jesus has given us all a measure of faith, and yes, we live by faith, but your faith is supposed to be spent on Jesus, because when your faith is spent on Jesus, he will provide all of your needs after that. That's why we must seek him first. You see, faith will help us obtain many things, but we must seek that which is greatest first. What did Christ die to bring us? We must remember he was already a partaker of God's kingdom. Listen, Jesus already had it all before he came to this earth. He lowered himself to come get you. Do you hear what I'm saying? He was in glory. He had it all together. He didn't lack anything except you. He lowered himself to come and get you. He put off all of that divinity and put on humanity so that he could come and bring the kingdom of God to you. He didn't die to give you faith just for stuff. He died so that once you die, that you can have eternal life with him. He came to you just for a little while, did some great miracles so that people would believe on him so that you could receive the greatest gift of all time, which is eternal life. So we must begin to look at what we're gaining versus what we're losing. Because many Christians in this world or so-called Christians are pursuing a lot of things and they think they're gaining, but they're really losing. Matthew 6.33 says this. It's, it's instructions on what we should be looking for first. But seek first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness. Church, let's pause here. Let's do uh, an analysis of our life, an analysis of our faith. Can you truly say 
that your first primary pursuit every day is the kingdom of God. That's what I want more than anything. Because if you place anything in front of pursuing the kingdom of God, the danger is you might get it and miss God. Do you hear what I'm saying? If your job is just retirement, then you might get retirement and miss God. If your, if your greatest desire is just to build your own house and have some acres, you might get that house and acres and miss God. I'm trying to tell you, you better put the kingdom of God first. That's what faith is for primary, that we would seek God's kingdom first and his righteousness. But listen to the good news at the end. At the end. Where's the good news? At the end, if you seek his kingdom first, all these things shall be added to you. So you might think to yourself, well, why don't I have the blessings that I believe God has for me? What are you seeking first? If you seek the kingdom of God first, then the blessings come afterwards. That's my testimony. I did not have a wife I did not have a good job. I did not have health. I did not have a savings account. I did not have a nice cars. I did not have a home. I did not have any of that until I got righteousness first. When I got righteousness first, then God added to my life. And I'm so glad it was that way. Because if I had found some of that stuff outside of righteousness, then I would have to leave some of that stuff behind to pursue righteousness. Listen to what I'm saying. If I found a girlfriend outside of God, then I'm, when I'm ready to give my life to God, I'm, I might be unequally yoked with this person and they want nothing to do with my God. So I would rather find righteousness first and God add to me exactly what I need when I'm living right. Do you understand what I'm saying? Can I have an amen even if it hurts you? When you seek God first, he does the adding. But when you add to yourself, you might have to subtract some things to get into the kingdom of God. Remember what the young rich ruler said? How might I obtain eternal life? And he said, well, I've been obedient all this time. And Jesus said, one thing you lack, sell all that you have and give it to the poor, and then you can have eternal life. And that man was not willing to subtract from his life. And the Bible says he walked away dejected. It's a poor thing. There's nobody more poor in this world than those who have obtained everything but God and feel rich. Do you hear what I'm saying? It must be good preaching because some of you are so quiet. All right, let's keep going here. So, as we go through this series of sermons, we've been shown how to live our lives in Christ. And let us remember this. To live with the faith of Christ is to know that the Father cannot lie nor fail, and the kingdom, the power, and the glory all belong to him. Let's stand to our feet, because this, this is something that the Holy Spirit gave me that was just so powerful, and I really want you to receive this and wake up. So even if you're at home, 
Could you stand up? I know you're watching at home. I know the couch is so comfortable, and you might even have to kick down the recliner to get up, but I want you to get up, and I want you to get this, because this is so very important that our faith be redirected and stirred up in the right way. Now, the Bible says that as Jesus Christ was in this world, so are we, and we want a faith to match his. And the revelation that I got this morning was this, to live with the faith of Christ is to know that the Father cannot lie nor fail, and the kingdom, the power, and the glory all belong to him. Say this with me. Holy Spirit, help me to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that the Father cannot lie, he cannot fail, and the kingdom the power and the glory all belong to him. I am his child. He will not withhold any good thing from me. I live to please him. I live for him to be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, give God some praise. Give him some real praise. You may be seated, and I hope that you get what we just prayed and said. To live with the faith of Christ is to know this. Think about how he operated while he was here on the earth, and that's how we should operate. He operated with a knowing that the Father cannot lie. So he was the word walking around, so everything that he did would work as long as he stayed in line with himself and in line with the word. He knew that the Father could not fail, and he knew that the Father owned the kingdom, the power, and the glory all belong to his Father. The kingdom and power and glory do not belong to the White House. They do not belong to the Republican Party or to the Democrat Party. The kingdom, the power, and the glory do not belong to the bank. Your, your, house, your house does not belong to the bank. If, you, if you're with me here, if, you, if you'll share the same kind of faith that I'm putting out this morning, your house and your car and your marriage and your kids, they don't belong to nothing but the kingdom of God. And if you get that in your mind, then you will know that no power from hell can come against them and succeed because they don't belong to you. You've given them to the kingdom. And that's the kind of faith that we walk around in this world with is that all power and all glory and all honor belong to my Father, and nothing can snatch me out of his hands. You need to walk. Can I say swag? Some of you might not know. Let me, let me, let me, let me, what's, what's swag back in the day? Ah, oh, let's just call it confidence. We need to walk around with the confidence that our God is on the throne and he is our father and there is nothing that hell can do to shake our feet because we've been placed on a rock named Jesus Christ. When you have that confidence, you scare the devil. Jesus walked around on earth scaring demons.
Christians. They're like, leave us alone. Leave us alone. You are children of God. And when you have encounters with demonic powers, they should be screaming out, leave me alone. Leave me alone. Because just as Christ was in this earth, so are we. But the only thing that will power that is faith. You got to believe what I'm saying to you this morning. When you believe it, then the demons will believe it. If you don't believe it, the demons won't believe it. Paul, I know. Jesus, I know. But who are you? You've got to believe this. Praise the Lord. All right, let's keep going. So, how would that change your life if you really believe what I just said? How would your life change? I, I bet you get an attitude with the devil and say, devil, you lying, filthy, stinky thing. You're going to get out of every area of my life because you are trespassing. If you really believe what I said, that the kingdom, the power, and the glory all belong to the Father, I bet you would even pray differently. You wouldn't pray these prayers like, oh, Lord, if you don't mind, um, if I've been good enough this week, you know. No. If you really believed it, you would pray differently, you would believe differently, and you would live differently. Listen, this is the conclusion of my faith message as it relates to Jesus Christ. And if this ain't good, and if this don't move you, I got nothing else for you. I'm trying to tell you that the victory that we have in Jesus Christ through faith is that we trust the Father to be the King of glory. We trust the Father to be the king of heaven's armies. We trust the Father to not withhold any good thing from us because we live righteously. It almost sickens me that we can be so quiet in the house of God when worship is going forth, when I know firsthand that some of you wouldn't even be alive in this building if God had not intervened for you. Some of you would not even be here. You think it's the medicine. You think it's the doctor. You think it's this and something from the earth, but I'm here to tell you that if you did not have the faith to trust God, you would not even be here today because the word of God says that we, the just, shall live by faith. Now listen, don't stop taking that medicine. I didn't say all that. I'm just saying that he preserved your life. Medicine doesn't bring life. We can put medicine in dead people all day long, and it's not going to do anything for them. Jesus is the author of life. So when our lives are still in these bodies, we got one thing, person to thank, and it's not the doctor. We thank God that he is sparing our lives. We thank God that it is our faith that is causing us to live. Let's keep going. So, what is the greatest miracle? What is the greatest miracle? Let's go to Matthew chapter 5, 
verses 27 through 30, okay? We're, we're going to look at miracles this morning. Uh, all of us have had, a, if you've ever had a miracle, raise your hand. Any kind of miracle at all in your life, raise your hand. All right, so we've all experienced miracles. So what are these miracles for? We're in Matthew chapter 5, verses 27 through 30. It says this, you have heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery. But I say anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your hand, even your stronger hand, causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than your whole body to be thrown into hell. Now listen to the revelation I received from this, this passage. Even though Jesus while he was here, even though he healed blind eyes and even though he healed deformities, he said it's still better to enter into the kingdom of God missing a limb or missing an eye because the greatest miracle is not sight nor is the greatest miracle to have your strongest hand. The greatest miracle is to receive eternal life. The greatest miracle is to enter into the kingdom. I would say over 98% of people, or maybe even more, are born with both eyes, are born with both hands. But there's a very, very few percentage of people, your Bible says, that enter into life. So the greatest miracle wasn't that Jesus went around opening blind eyes or raising the dead. Because guess what? Every blind eye that Jesus opened or every deformity that he healed, those people, those bodies are in graves right now. So that couldn't have been the greatest miracle. Something great has to last forever. So the greatest thing that Jesus did was perform these miracles so that the people could believe. Miracles are supposed to stir up our faith, not just for a better life, but for an eternal one. That's what the miracles are for. Miracles are supposed to point us towards Jesus and say, Jesus, if you can do this thing, you can do all things. Jesus, if you can do this thing, you must be who you said that you are. Mark chapter 8 verse 36 says this, and what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? So you're praying for spouses, you're praying for houses, you're praying for cars, you're praying for land, you're praying for food, you're praying for all these things. And even if God did bless you with all those things you pray for, what's the benefit of gaining them all and losing your soul? The greatest miracle that our faith can obtain for us is eternal life. You guys just don't understand. Time is so short. I used to be just a boy sitting back there where my wife is sitting right now, and my father was the preacher. And this church was filled with many other different people, but many of them are gone now. 
they heard my father's preaching and they believe for eternal life and that's where they are now and one day if the lord delays his promise uh and wherever this church might be in time permits then other people will be preached to and you will no longer be in these seats anymore you will be in eternity with god the father that's the point of faith. That's the point of church, that we might live life like Jesus Christ and, and obtain the precious promises that last forever. Life is too short to be worried and frustrated about temporary things. Your faith is not supposed to just be fixed on temporary things, but the eternal righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's the kingdom of God, and that is what lasts forever. So, miracles move our faith towards a greater belief in him so that we might receive the greatest gift from him. The miracles were so that people would believe on him. John 2.23. Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover in the feast day, many believed in his name. When? When they saw the miracles which he did. You see, the miracles were so that they would believe the message that he came to preach. Why did Jesus perform these miracles? So that the people could believe for a greater miracle. Why has Jesus moved in your lives and given you guys miracles, given you babies and given you cars and given you homes and given you health? Why did Jesus move in miracles in your own lives so that you could believe for greater miracles, so that you could believe not just for your salvation? Listen up, disciple makers. Not only so you could believe for your salvation, but somebody else's salvation. We all need to do better there, don't we? Don't we all need to believe, be believing more for other people's salvation? All of us do. That's what faith is for. What does it profit us to go to the kingdom of God, but our families and co-workers and neighbors be lost? That's what faith is for. Who will make a pledge in this place today to say, you know what? I'm going to start believing and praying more for souls. Who will raise their hand and say, you know what? I'm going to pray more. I'm going to use my faith more for eternal things than temporal things. Why in the world? are we believing God for stuff when our neighbors are going to hell? The primary point of our faith is for eternity, not the temporal stuff. So we've got to believe more that God will save people around us than he will bless us because we're already blessed. Kennedy over in Africa, they're probably watching right now. And there's an orphanage there right now. And if they could pan the crowd and see you, they'd look at you and say, look at these people. They are so blessed. We don't know how blessed we even are. So the last thing many of us need to be praying for is things. That's why you're having garage sales now. You got too many things. So we need to be praying that God would save our family. Use your faith for something greater than yourself. Let's go to John chapter 9, verses 30 through 33, and we'll start to speed up a little bit here. Why did Jesus perform miracles on earth? John 9, 30 says this. Why, that's very strange, the man replied. 
He healed my eyes, and yet you don't know where he comes from. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but he is ready to hear those that worship him and do his will. Who does God hear? Those that worship him and do his will. Ever since the world began, no one has been able to open the eyes of someone born blind. That meant no doctor. That meant no prophet. That meant nobody, okay? If this man were not from God, he couldn't have done it. So the, the answer to the question of why did Jesus perform miracles on earth is this. So they would believe he had the authority to preach the message he came to deliver. And what was the sermon Jesus was born to preach? Matthew 4, 17. From then on, Jesus began to preach. Repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. He did not say, I am here to give you stuff. My father sent me to die on the cross so you can have nicer things. He came to bring us a kingdom. And that's why the Jews at that time were so upset. They're saying, when are you going to set up your kingdom here on earth? They thought he was coming to deliver them from Roman oppression, but he was coming to deliver them from demonic oppression. The Jesus came to destroy the works of Satan so that the kingdom of God could come to earth and we could obtain righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's what your faith is for. Listen, one day they might take the house. One day they might take the car. They might take the clothes, but listen, leave my righteousness, leave my peace, and leave my joy in the Holy Ghost, and I'll be okay. Because Paul said, I have learned in all things to be content. Whether I have little or I have much, that's okay. Just don't touch my righteousness, my peace, and my joy in the Holy Ghost. That's what faith is for. Even if God took away everything you ever believed him for in this natural world, if he left his righteousness, peace, enjoy with you, you've got more than enough because you can't take stuff with you. All right? So, he came to preach the kingdom. Where would this kingdom be? Luke 17, 20 through 21. And when he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God cometh not with observation, Neither shall they say, look here or look there, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. Where's the kingdom? It's within us, okay? So we need to know what is the kingdom. Romans 14, 17 through 18. Listen, church, this is what your faith is for. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, and Lord, we love to do that. But righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Church, what is the kingdom of God? Righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. Oh, that's what I desire to be. Acceptable to God. 
when he sees me and at the end of my life and at the judgment, I want him to see me as acceptable. And listen, I don't get to take a house key with me or credit cards with me and say, Does, do you find me acceptable because of the things that I have? Listen, if you don't have righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost, you're not getting into the kingdom of God because that's what gets the kingdom of God into you. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That should be our pursuit at all times. Pursue righteousness. Listen, this would have helped us in 2020 a lot. If we would have pursued the kingdom of God above all other things, seek first the kingdom, seek first righteousness. Well, we got Democrats against Republicans. We got whites against black. But I'm not going to involve myself in any of that garbage because I'm too busy seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All that matters to me, it doesn't matter to me if Trump people like me or Biden people like me. I could care less. I just want to be found acceptable and righteous by God. That's whose approval I'm seeking because, listen, if I have the approval of the Trump crowd or have the approval of the Biden crowd, but don't have the approval of God, then I can miss the kingdom. I don't care about American things. I care about kingdom things, and I want righteousness, peace, and joy. Those in Africa, they don't care about Biden or Trump. That doesn't mean anything to their eternity. They desire the kingdom things, righteousness, peace, and joy. So, to receive the righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, we must first receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. How do we get the righteousness, peace, and joy from the Holy Spirit? We must have the Holy Spirit in our lives. Acts 2.38 says this. Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, then you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So listen, you need to ask yourselves, have you repented of your sins and turned to God for salvation? Have you been baptized in water? If you're, if you're sitting here today and have not been baptized in water, let us know. We will help you and uh, allow that to happen, okay? And then what baptism is, uh, repentance leads to salvation, and baptism is symbolism that the old life has been crucified and buried with Christ, and the new life emerges in Christ. So, how do we obtain that righteousness? We obtain it through our faith in Jesus Christ. I've got two more passages, and then we're going to come to a close. So, Abraham is called the father of faith. Abraham was believing for a son, but obtained righteousness first. And here's my question for everyone that's listening today. In all that you're believing God for, have you obtained righteousness first? First, before the husband, before the wife, before the house, before the job, before the car, before the stuff, have you obtained righteousness first? 
Let's listen to Romans chapter 4, verses 16 through 25. And this will tie some things together for us about how we receive righteousness by faith. So the promise is received by faith. It is given as a free gift. And we are all certain to receive it, whether or not we live according to the law of Moses. If we have faith like Abraham's, and remember, we're even shooting higher than Abraham right now. We want the faith of Jesus. But if we even have the faith of Abraham, for Abraham is the father of all who believe. That is what the scriptures mean when God told him, I have made you the father of many nations. This happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and creates new things out of nothing. I think we should say that together. Say this with me. I believe in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. Man, if your faith can do that, if you can connect your faith to that God, he's the God that raises the dead and he's the God that creates new things out of nothing. And listen to me, I am a new thing that used to be nothing. If he can do it for me, he can do it for anyone. And if he's willing to clean up my soul, he's willing to clean up my life. And we were believing God for a new home some years ago, and God blessed us with it. And when we moved in there, God told me something. Well, first, uh, before we moved there, I had a dream that my son, uh, Drayden, was in the backyard of this property, and a kid came over, and, um, and, and Drayden told the kid, he said, this is our, this is our happily ever after. And, and that was before anything was approved. Let me tell you something. Uh, my credit was not where it should be when I desired to start looking for a home. It wasn't where I wanted it to be, okay? And I started praying and saying, God, give me wisdom. Give me your favor because favor is what you need. Listen to me. Faith releases favor. If you do it on your own, it can take forever. But if you got some faith for favor, God can move things fast. So we approve, uh, I, I did what I had to do and got the favor of God. And there's a lady in this city who does uh, mortgages for, for, for a popular bank here. She's been doing it for years. She's one of the most popular uh, loan account specialists in the city. And here's what she told me. Mr. Tibbs, I have never seen somebody's credit jump that high, that fast in the whole time I've been here. That's what faith does when you get favor. Listen, when you seek God first, he releases his favor into your life and he will cause glory to follow behind you. All right? So, as we get into this new house, uh, it's bigger than the house that we had before, praise God. So, we still needed some things. And you know what God told me when I was standing in that house? He said, Damien, I'm going to fill this house with good things. Might as well praise God because he's no respecter of people. Don't look at me like, why'd he tell you that and not me? Maybe if you praise God for me, all right, maybe you say, God, thank you for blessing him, then God will release some favor in your life as well. Listen, I'm no better than you. I just realized that in 50 or 60 years, I can't do what God can do in five minutes. It's faith that releases favor. All right, let's keep going. 
Verse 18, this is very important. And when there was no reason for hope, have you been there? Is your faith there right now? Because faith has to work even at this spot in your life. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken. I'm going to say, and Abraham's faith did not weaken again. But when I get to the point where I say, Abraham, I want you to say your own name, okay? Ready? Go. And faith did not weaken. Okay, I don't want you guys missing out on blessings. Maybe you didn't understand what I was saying, so I'm going to do it again. I'm going to say, and you're going to put your name there, and then I'm going to say that your faith did not weaken on the count of three. One, two, three. And faith did not weaken, all right? Even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb. Lord, stir up faith. Holy Spirit, as we read these scriptures, I pray that you would stir up faith in this house and those that are watching online in Jesus' name. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this, he brought glory to God. Listen, church, your faith when you believe brings glory to God. He was fully convinced. Church, how convinced was he? He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. And because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. Oh, my goodness. God was moved so much by Abraham's faith. He said, boy, you're righteous. You got it. You got it. That's all I've ever wanted from you people was just for you to believe me by faith. I can't call you anything else but righteous now. I've already called you a father, and you realize that you are 100 years old and your body is good as dead, but yet you didn't stop believing me. Boy, you're righteous. You're, I, I can't call you nothing else but righteous. So do you know why Abraham is called the father of faith? Because how do we receive righteousness? By faith. So we hear the story that Jesus Christ, the son of God, came to this earth and died for our sins. And after three days, he rose again from the grave. And we were told that if we believe on him, that we would be saved. And once you believe that, do you know what God looks down from heaven and calls you? Righteous. You believe that? I got a new name for you. Righteous. You believe that? I got a new name for you. Son, daughter. That's about the best I got. If you don't like that, I'm sorry. I'm screaming and everything. All right. Abraham never wavered and believed God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. And because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as what? Righteous. I wonder what kind of prayers 
don't fail. Righteous. So when you walk in the righteousness of God, hallelujah, when he calls you righteous and you pray some fervent prayers, the effectual and fervent prayers of the righteous, what do they do? They availeth much. Get to praying, righteous people. You want, you're, waiting for, you're waiting for presidents and Congress. The righteousness will exalt this country again. It's the righteous that move. We don't have to wait for bills to pass. Jesus has already given us all power and authority. Amen? Amen. All right. And when God counted him as righteous... It wasn't just for Abraham's benefit. It was recorded for our benefit too, assuring us that God will also count us as righteous if we do what, church? Believe in him, the one who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was handed over to die because of our sins, and he was raised to life to make us right with God. What does it mean to be right with God? To be righteous. What have we obtained? The kingdom of God lives within us. Why? Because Jesus lives within us. What is the kingdom of God? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. All right, our last passage. I'm glad nobody cheered. I was waiting if someone was going to say, woo! Bud, you're laughing too hard. All right, how do we obtain the peace and joy? So we, we just learned how we obtain righteousness. It's through faith. We receive righteousness through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit causes us to believe. He leads us to God. We receive righteousness through faith. Okay, we got that part. But now, how do we receive the peace and the joy from the Holy Spirit? Because that is the kingdom of God. Romans 5 and 1 says this. Kimberly, you're welcome to come. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith. Can we praise God just for that one verse? That one verse changes it all. We were bound in sin. The word of God says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Paul in Romans 5 says, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith. So when God sees me now, he doesn't see a sinner. He sees someone purchased by the blood of his son through faith. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have Peace. Remember what I just said? The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. We got righteousness by faith. And because we've been made right with God, we now have peace with God. Because everybody who does not have righteousness from God does not have peace with God. Everybody who has not been born again, who has not accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior, is an enemy of God. Every sinner is an enemy of God. 
They work the works of their father, Satan. We must get a new father once we're born again by faith. And through righteousness and faith, we obtain peace with God. How is that? We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. Okay, come on. Where's the joy, though? Where's the joy? And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. So since we have righteousness and since we have obtained peace, now we can joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory with him on the other side. Just a little bit ago, I told you that this church used to look a lot different from what I am seeing now. A lot of those people have moved on and their remains have been buried. And depending on how long it's going to take Jesus Christ to come, this church might be all wiped out one day too. But I pray that through the messages that you heard from this pulpit, that you decided that through faith, you were going to obtain righteousness from God, which would give you peace with God, which would enable you to joyfully and confidently look forward to sharing God's glory. Listen, you can't rejoice unless you have joy. And listen to what this says, verse 3. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we, now, for we know how dearly God loves us, because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with love. So church, if the Holy Spirit has filled your heart with love and himself, because God is love, that means the kingdom of God lives in you. And that kingdom consists of three things, righteousness, peace, and joy. Let's stand to our feet. That's what your faith is for. Realign what you're believing God for. Don't pray more about a house then you pray about walking into the kingdom of God first. Some of us are too concerned about the things that we can have while we are in this body that we lose sight about the things that we must obtain outside of these bodies. Everything else gets left behind. Wives get left behind. Children get left behind. Jobs and clothes and possessions get left behind. But if you have these three things when you die, 
living on the inside of you, you're going to be okay for all of eternity. Say this with me, church. Lord, I thank you that I have obtained the kingdom of God within me by faith. I am confident. I am fully persuaded that I have received righteousness, peace, and joy all in the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name, praise God. That's what it's all about, church. I would rather see you all in heaven than see you all driving nice cars and having nice homes and having a handsome husband or a beautiful wife down here. I would rather see you there. Let's lift our hands all over the building. Thank you, Jesus. With hands lifted high, it means one thing that we are reaching to the sky to obtain what we cannot see on this earth. We reach high to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And while our hands are lifted high and we seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, you are filling our lives with things. But we're here to say, Lord, these things don't matter more than you. You're the main thing. And I thank you, Lord, that you have saved us. Because that's what faith is for. Faith is for salvation. Faith is the ticket to walk into the kingdom of God. And it is the ticket for the kingdom of God to walk into us. I pray for believers everywhere, God, that you would help us seek the kingdom above all else. Tomorrow when we wake up, we don't have to look for righteousness. It's in us. We don't have to look for peace. It's in us. We don't have to find joy. It's in us, God. If you said the righteousness is not something you could say, I'm sorry, the kingdom is not something you could say, look over there, there it is, or look over there, there it is. The kingdom of God is within us. And for this, God, we say thank you. Jesus, thank you for sharing your faith with us. Holy Spirit, thank you for all these sermons about the faith of Jesus Christ. And now we learn today what the triumph of faith is. The triumph of faith is not a thing. The triumph of faith is a king. That's what faith is for, a king. We thank you for this message today. I pray your blessings over your people in Jesus' name.